In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Jordan Gall about his experiences working with hundreds of retailers. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 45. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Jordan Gall. Jordan's the founder of Cardhook. Cardhook is a customizable one-page checkout with post-purchase upsells. While Cardhook, Jordan's worked with hundreds of retailers, so I want to chat with him today about what he's seeing some of the most successful retailers do in today's market. So hey, Jordan, how are you doing today? What's up, Charles? Good to, good to be on. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, great to have you. Did I get the description of Cardhook correct, or I want to make sure I actually uh, <laughs> got, got that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what we'll talk about today is is where the product is going and why. Uh, right now, we have a customizable checkout with post-purchase upsells for Shopify stores. So that's that's the product we're running now. And uh, yeah, I think yep. in this conversation, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about is where we see things going in e-commerce and why we're building uh, what we're building. Yeah, we were talking before the show. It's definitely you guys have an interesting take on where uh, e-commerce is headed. And it's something um. I haven't heard a lot of folks talk about, so I'm curious. So right now, just to talk about Cardhook real quick, you work with Shopify, and after the checkout, you have a customizable upsell process. You kind of hook onto the end of the shopping cart and take them through this post-process funnel, if you will. Um, Is that how you describe it? That's right. Okay. Sure, the, the, the goal is to do two things, to increase your conversion rate on the checkout and then to increase your average order value on with post-purchase upsells. So what we do is we allow uh, we allow merchants to have a checkout page that's completely in their control. So Shopify is a fantastic platform, and their checkout is is good too. But it is limiting in the amount of flexibility that merchants have to add trust symbols, to add uh, images, testimonials, to test things out, different button colors, and so on. Uh, and then the other thing we do is we take that three-page Shopify checkout and we put it all on one page. So it's a one-page checkout that you have a lot more control over with a WYSIWYG editor. That's for increasing the conversion rate on the checkout. And then secondly, uh, the part that people find, uh, I don't know if it's more interesting or exciting, I, I think overall the reason most people sign up for our product is for the post-purchase upsells. And what that is, if you think about Amazon's what uh, you may also like feature, right? That That's an upsell feature. That is trying to identify products that people buy together and then suggesting to the buyer, hey, maybe you want to add this to your order. So what that does is it increases the average order value, but it does so in a way that adds friction in the buying process because you are buying, you're, you're adding that upsell. You have to make that decision before you actually purchase. So what we do is we take that decision and we put it after the checkout, so it doesn't add any friction. So normally, a shopper comes in, puts their information, their payment info, their billing and shipping address, and hits buy, and then immediately sees a thank you page. When using our product, what a merchant can do is set up upsells that come in between the checkout and the thank you page. So the shopper will come in, put their billing and shipping address and payment info, and hit buy, and then instead of seeing a thank you page, they'll see another offer page. And the key is that you can make the offer congruent with what they're buying, meaning if they bought product X and you know that product Y makes sense with it, you can 
attach the upsell specifically because they bought that first product. Okay. And right, so that so that's important. And the other piece that's really important, especially in a mobile world, because we are using the payment token from the checkout page, they don't need to re-enter their payment information in order to accept the upsell. They just need to hit buy. They just need to hit yes, basically. And then it gets added to the order. And if they do nothing, so at that point though, they already have the original order. So they've already basically bought from you, but you're saying, hey, why don't I just add this as you're going out the door? You don't need to do anything else. It's very low friction. Exactly right. So that that's that's a really important point you bring up. The purchase is already done. That initial purchase is done. You can't lose it. Even if someone says, what is this? And closes the browser, that order will still go in and the product gets shipped like normal. So you've captured that order before you go off and make any additional offers to try to capture a higher average order value. Yeah, that's that's very clever because I've done that thing before where let's say you're buying a, a camera and they say, oh, would you like a memory card? And you say, yeah, actually I need one. And you start adding them and then you realize, oh, do I, what speed do I want? And you go back and you start researching it. And then you're like half an hour deep into your memory card research. And then something you happens and you walk away, you haven't bought. And then you realize, and then like you step away and then it's like the next day and it's, it actually adds friction, like you said. So it's, it's friction. Yeah, that's right. So having that after I already have the camera and then, oh, I need the memory card. Maybe I'll grab it. But if I don't, it's already, the purchase is done at that point. Right. And, and what you can do because you've captured the order, you already have that purchase. So then what you can do is you could potentially give the shopper a better deal on the upsell than you can normally on the site. Right, because now it's different math completely. You're not spending another, uh, you know, X amount of dollars to capture a conversion because you already have a conversion. Now it's just gravy on top of it. Yep. Okay. So I see. So that's the product where it is today, right? That's yep. that's card hook. And now I really like where you guys are going. The next kind of step um, is that going to be the same product name? Is it just an addition? Or what is that exactly? You know, that part of it we haven't finalized because okay so what charles is talking about yeah so, are, are, yeah, so first i guess yeah so what's the thesis for what you guys are uh, building sure okay so let, let's take a few steps back and talk about 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 that right that thesis the the reason we are building what we're building um so what we see is we see e-commerce selling physical products online we see it way behind in terms of marketing innovation we see digital marketers are way, way in advance, right? The, the, the guys that are selling uh, webinars, courses, appointments, consultations, uh, uh, memberships, people selling digital goods have a lot more flexibility. And because of that, they've been much more innovative. Yeah, I feel like and a lot now of the, we the innovation always comes from the digital goods space and the Exactly right, because it's yeah, it's just faster, hungrier, maybe a little grimier. You know, it's just it's more aggressive. It pushes in a different way. So here's what we see happen. We saw, uh, I think, back to Lead Pages. I think Lead Pages was a a really really important company in this in this innovation kind of step by step that happened, because what Lead Pages did, it said non technical people should be able to spin up a, a, a landing page quickly. And landing pages are super important because they, that's what helps to drive leads. And when you're running traffic, you shouldn't be running it to your homepage. You should be running it to landing pages that are very specific. Hey, we have this new template coming out. Download the template, right? And you, what you do is you constrict the options. You say, 
opt into my email list or download the template or give me your email address for this ebook or hit the back button, right? There's no getting lost in the navigation and the footers and, and, and being distracted in that way. So lead pages gave non-technical people the ability to spin up landing pages quickly. So that was, that was really important. The next thing that happened is that ClickFunnels came along and said, not only will we let you make landing pages easily, but we'll help you put them together. Because a lot of people don't just use landing pages in isolation, they use multiple landing pages in a row to create a funnel. So ClickFunnels said, we'll give you that power and we'll also make it really easy for you to build a funnel of, of several consecutive landing pages. So that was like the next step in the innovation. Then what happened, and this is where the disconnect starts to, starts to occur. A lot of people on ClickFunnels were selling physical products. Yes, okay. And and ClickFunnels doesn't have the concept of a physical product. It doesn't have an e-commerce backend with orders and order management and customers and fulfillment and shipping. And so as soon as people started selling at any level of scale, 50 units, 100 units, 500 units, you start to lose your mind using ClickFunnels. You're exporting CSV files. It, it doesn't work. Because ClickFunnels is more for, is it just gathering email addresses or is it actually selling? Is it taking it a... Is, it is for selling. It okay. does take payments and it has post-purchase upsells. It has a lot of these concepts. But more for digital. But it's, it's best for digital. Okay, That's gotcha. right. And now, so what happened then, people who started selling at, at a larger scale, more units, where do they end up looking? To Shopify. Shopify is arguably the best backend for e-commerce. It's relatively easy to spin up. You could get it up and running. It's nothing near a Magento store. It's not even close to a big commerce store. It's easy. It has a million apps. You can get everything done, a good looking site quickly. So a lot of people moved over into Shopify to sell physical products. But now we get to what you and I are talking about. The limitations of Shopify are that you sell physical products in a traditional way. And a lot of people that just learned how to sell in a very different, more strategic way with ClickFunnels all of a sudden realize, oh man, now I'm limited in what I can do because of the e-commerce framework, right? Selling physical products is still this weird analogy of the physical, you know, IRL. Yep. <laughs> like, like there's a store and the categories in your e-commerce store are like aisles. And then the product page is like looking more closely at a product that you have in your hand. And then it's literally still called a shopping cart and you go to the checkout. It's like, it, it is an analogy from the 1990s that we didn't really know what to do. So we said, let's just take what we're used to as a physical store and just build that online. And the issue is it's still there. Yep. It, it, it hasn't moved. And the digital world like zoomed way past it. And so what we're doing at Cardhook is we are trying to bring the e-commerce, the sale of physical products into that modern marketing approach of landing pages, funnels, tailoring each landing page specifically to the audience that you're targeting and all the things that digital marketers have been doing for a decade. We think it's about time that physical product retailers start doing the same thing. Okay. So you're ta so we're talking um, anytime you're driving paid traffic, even like a newsletter, anything like that. Right now in Shopify or any e-commerce platform, it's all going to a standard product page. Well, hopefully not the homepage, but hopefully a standard product page. Um, and then from there, you have links, you have options, you have all sorts distractions. of distractions, things we can get lost, yep. all these things. But um, so for example, 
Spark shipping, you know, we buy traffic. We route it to a landing page that just has, hey, download this guide or do this. Or do like, it's very much tailored to that ad. So if the ad says, you know, download this, you <laughs> you land a page that says, here's how to download this. There's no, you know, you don't have to go find it. It's and you don't and you can't not find it. Like it's there, and you're basically either there or you're gonna leave. There's no and if you click on it, it assumes you want that thing. So you're going to move forward versus in e-commerce. You don't have that. So it's kind of the, right. Yep. And yes. And, and, and that works. Yep. Right. People do that because it works when you, when you constrict the options and make it effectively binary, you say opt in or hit the back button. If it's not for you, you get better conversions. And so, right. And the other thing you're talking about is congruency with, with, with the ad and therefore with the audience, the person who searched for a specific term then sees an ad that's related to that term, then the page they land on should be specific to that term because you, you, you're trying to match this person is looking for this thing. Let's give it to them. Well, then it allows you to make very specific ads too, right? Because let's say it's for a, a men's product versus a woman's you know, clothing item. You can then drop them on a page just for that. And it's not, and you, you choose what's on that page. So it's like a collection, it, maybe it's, it allows you to basically build it just for that ad. So every ad has a page. Right. Yep. I will I will never claim to know what's gonna work best for your product or segment or audience or whatever, but you should be allowed to easily experiment and easily test. That's That's really all we're saying. So we don't argue that the store is going away because it's not. You, you need your store as a central hub for your organic traffic, email traffic, returning customers, your blog, PR, whatever. But when you are paying for someone to click on an ad, they should be going to a page that's specific to the ad that they just clicked on. That's that's pretty much our, our whole argument and why uh, we have our checkout product right now and our next product will be landing pages. That way you can build a full funnel that goes from landing page to checkout page to upsells to thank you page and then still have that order go into your Shopify store so you don't have to change any of your business flow, but your marketing team all of a sudden is freed from the constraint of your theme. And that's the other part, right? Where then, because right now if you want to change your theme on Shopify anywhere really, you're changing globally. And a lot of times there's all this stuff tied into that where you can't just you know, once you're established, you're not just picking a new theme and going with it. You you have to really think through what that's going to do to the homepage, to the navigation, to the search. To every, it touches everything. So you right. can't it just shouldn't yep. shouldn't be that way. Yep. But it, it's, it uh, is. It's tied into that machine, right? It's part of the machine, and once you build it in there, it's it's stuck. But you're trying to free the landing pages from that. Right. Well, we, we, the 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 marketing team should not be constrained by your theme. They should, they should experiment and say, hey, maybe this feature up front works better. Maybe this image works better. Right? If you think about a standard product page on a theme, even a good theme, it is images on the left, bullet points on the right, and then all of a sudden that weird space behind your product images, you can't put any, like, you can't put any copy in. And then on the right side, you have this thin column of copy that goes down, and then you have your reviews, and it is just you're not doing enough work to convince the visitor to buy. Now, go look at a company you admire. Go to Caster Mattresses, Dollar Shave Club, Allbirds. Look at their product pages. 
That's what happens when you have resources to build product pages that convert as well as possible. That those pages look completely different. They almost look like SaaS marketing pages with image on the left side and then feature description on the right side and then a testimonial in between and then some graphics. It, it, it does a lot more work to sell. Yeah, You're putting videos into it. That's one of those points too because if you go to any – even like you said, a good Shopify theme, you still go, oh, it's a Shopify store. Like you just – you automatically use enough of them, you know. But there's a lot of you know folks with resources using – who, know, who knows how they built it, but you don't know anymore what they're using unless you really dig in. They might be using Shopify. They, they, a lot of times they are. Right, right. They might be using Magento. They might be using Spree. They might be using something custom or, or who knows what. But but when you go off and are in that world of you raised a bunch of money and you have the resources and you really need to make it work, uh, what happens then is you you do not look at your product page the thing that makes or breaks your business and say, well, I guess we're just stuck with this, however it is. So I guess we'll just be happy with that. Yep. So that, that's, that's not what happens. Yeah. And we, in that, we just in want that to world, bring you could that. hire consultants, right? To come in and, you know, Hey, we want to do whatever we want and you can just do the sky's the limit, but you're trying to bring that to, to the masses, to the masses everybody. To everyone. Exactly right. That's what we think it is. So a great example that I like to uh, to talk about is I, I know the marketer behind the success of Tracker. So if you haven't heard of Tracker, uh, T-R-A-C-K-R, so no E at the end. So Tracker is a product that is very similar to Tile, you know, that little uh, piece of hardware that gets connected to your phone so you can find whatever you're looking for. Yeah, it goes in your keys and you... Yep. Exactly right. I think this is one of so my tracks actually. But yeah. It, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so Tracker came out and did tens of millions of dollars in revenue in their first year in business. The way they did it is they sold everything through funnels. So what they would do is they would identify potential audiences. So like yourself, Charles, you are a pet owner. And to you, I have a, I have a dog also, and I'm paranoid as hell about losing him, about anything happening. So when you make a pitch to me, you want to have the advertisement be specific to pet owners, right? So if I'm scrolling through Instagram, I want to see a video that is never lose your dog again. Always have confidence that you'll – even if your dog gets lost, you'll find them no problem. Yep. Okay? Now, when I click on that ad, should I go to a product page that talks about pets – uh, pet finding my pet as one of the features. No, it should be the main feature that's highlighted because you know who I am. I just clicked on that ad. And then after I buy it, should I get a post purchase upsell that is totally random and irrelevant or should it be specific to bad pet owners? Yeah. Right. It, this stuff, it, it, it's obvious that all this stuff is obvious. It's just that it's been difficult to do technically. And even more so, I mean, you could really, let's say you're buying traffic from a, you know, the dog, um, some dog forum, some dog blog, if that's a thing, you could then it not it's not even just pets, it's dogs, and then you could go to the cat forum and you know put your tracking, and you could have different pages for each each particular pet. And this it, is how yeah. all of all of digital marketing works, yeah. except for physical products. It is a very very strange thing. Yeah, it's because in the SaaS world, to you know, in what we do, you have to 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 be able to compete on you know for the ad dollars you need to be able you need to be super specific because if you just start saying e-commerce in our case e-commerce automation driving to the home page we would just be burning money. You, it, it wouldn't work it wouldn't work we'd right. be burning money you need to segment your personas and then tailor your pitches your ads your pages everything to those personas 
So this is the same way. So Tracker did that with pet owners. They did it with parents who wanted to put the, the device on their kids' backpacks. They just went down the line of their potential personas and just just killed it. Okay. So, so, so we want to make products that. You can use for multiple, so especially for products you can use for multiple things, show each each persona their own, you know, you'll be using, here's your use case, here's your use case, and build a landing page for each. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, my e-commerce business that I ran before Cardhook, um, we had a few different personas. So we sold solar lights, don't ask. But we would have like government contract type buyers. We would have people in municipalities. We had people who needed it for their homeowners association, and we had individual people for their homes. So just totally different segments, and we were sending all the traffic to one landing, to one product page, and we didn't, we didn't know what else to do. This was like seven or eight years ago, which is, I always find ironic that I'm currently working on a product that I needed even back then, and it still doesn't exist. Well, it's funny you say <laughs> but, that because I, so that in a past life, I sold popcorn machines, oddly. So you sold lights, I sold popcorn machines. Yeah, niche products. Same, same thing, right? There were um, people that ran carnivals, bought them, schools, churches, um, like PTAs, like all different, or, and they're all different use cases, right? Like if you're doing it at like the state fair, if you build, um, making popcorn at the state fair versus running your, you know, a thing in your church on the weekends, very different like person buying those and they want a different machine. And it's totally different. But like you said, we would just, send all we're literally and this is going back year, like years ago we'd send google product ads right to the home page and either they bought it they didn't and we didn't actually know the the other thing too is back then we didn't know who they were like we just knew you want a popcorn machine here's a popcorn machine like you're searching for a popcorn machine we don't really know why you are we just know oh here's a machine but now with like social you actually know oh you like yeah Oh, okay. You're, you're doing it because of this. Where did you come? What type of person? Oh, you're a pet owner. Oh, a dog owner. So you can go right down the line with the persona verse. You couldn't do that five years ago, even. Yes. And, and it should be, it should be realistic. So, so what we see in, in, in our customers, we see, we see like a, we see the same process happening over and over. We see people who launch and then they're, they're, they're selling multiple products. And then all of a sudden, a few winners start to come out. So out of their, let's say, 20 different SKUs, they start to identify, ooh, these two or three SKUs, this, this is what is driving the majority of our sales. And so they start to narrow down the amount of money and effort to be focused on those best-selling SKUs. Yep. And then once they start to really identify and kind of dial in, okay, this, these two products, these are our winners. This is how we advertise for them. This is how we drive traffic. This is what's working. This is what we need to highlight. And then they go that next step and they build a dedicated landing page. And then they send that traffic directly into our checkout. They skip the cart. It goes directly from landing page into a checkout. And then again, that checkout is specific to that audience. So the testimonial on that checkout page is different, right? Because we have something called product funnels, which is like the beginning of what we're talking about. So you can create a checkout funnel of a checkout page, upsells and a thank you page, and then we just give you a link. And you can use that link anywhere you want and drive people directly into the checkout page. And because you are in control of that link, you know exactly who's showing up on that checkout page. So if Tracker was using uh, ads for dog owners, then a landing page for dog owners, then the checkout page itself would have testimonials from dog owners. 
Okay, but that's just a one page. That's a little, like you're kind of rushing to the sale at that point. So you're trying to add another step of like research and descriptions and photos. Funnel. Yeah, funnel. Exactly. The funnel. Yeah, <laughs> yep. exactly. Yep. You want them moving down the funnel the same way everyone else does in digital marketing. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. It's, it's funny you say that too, because we see the same thing with that. And I've called it like hybrid drop shipping, where folks are putting a bunch of SKUs in the store, seeing what works. And a lot of times they use drop shipping to kind of experiment and then saying, okay, here are my winners. Let's bring these into a warehouse internally, a 3PL, whatever. But like, then they focus, they double down and then triple and 10x down on the winners. And they keep repeating that pattern, right? Of saying, let's try a whole bunch of things. Okay, we found three winners, bring those in. Again, try more, bring those in. Like with drop shipping, that's what we, you know, we do pretty well with that hybrid. So we see that they're using the testing type of thing and just iterating, iterating, iterating. Yeah, it's a logical progression because why would you stock inventory of things you don't know are going to sell? And then once things start selling consistently, why wouldn't you keep inventory of them? It, it goes, so it goes we, the other way. And Yep, yep. It flips once you have confidence. So we, we did the exact same thing. We had 150 SKUs of solar lights. Two of them become winners. We negotiate with the manufacturer. We get much better prices. And then we're making much more money on the things that we're most confident in moving. Yeah. So it was – it's a logical progression. Um, and then, you know, what, what some people do is they go that next step. When you listen to your customers using your best selling products, they will tell you what tweaks to make to differentiate yourself in the market. So th the reason we sold our business is because we got right to that point. We got to the decision of, do we want to make solar lights that are specifically to what the market wants? Do we want to make that investment or do we want to either stay where we are? We, we ended up selling the business because we weren't quite confident enough in going that next step in the manufacturing because we had a lot of issues because it was electronics. So electronics just kind of present their own set of issues. I went down a similar road with the popcorn machines of saying I, I could actually, same thing, brought them internally, started fulfilling mm -hmm. them, um, you know, a few SKUs and then said, should I like actually, I guess, manufacture that sort of thing, have our logo put on them. And that was actually the same deal point where I sold the business and said, maybe, maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not, you know, the popcorn machine guy and this isn't, won't be my thing. Um, yes. Yes. Yep. So you, yeah, you see a, yeah, you see a progression. And then the, the other thing we like to see if I were launching something now, I, I don't think I would go that route. I think I would go the other way, which a lot of direct to consumer companies are doing, which is just launch one SKU. Ah, okay. So just do you, do you kill it with, do you see people doing that now, just making one big bet and just going down on one? Yes, because what they're what they're doing, they're trying to nail a very specific niche and a need, right? So uh, it, I like Instagram because I pay attention to the ads there. The uh, the the ads on Instagram will show you a lot of what's happening in e-commerce. Yep. Okay, because th those are those are a lot of the brands that have the money to invest in the visual advertising so videos and images and influencers and so i always click on the ads and i go through their funnel i see what they're doing and i see how sophisticated they are or not or, or you know how much they're experimenting so i see a lot of these brands that are like the comfiest sweatpants you'll ever own right the best workout shorts ever made right these like declarative i'm trying to nail exactly what you want and that is my entry point into a relationship with you, right? So a good example is Bonobos. 
All right, Bonobos comes out a few years ago, better fitting men's pants, period. So I start buying pants from them. But I like them, and I have a good uh, association with them in my mind of the brand, the delivery, the shipping, the customer service. So when they come out with or coming out with shirts, I'm, I'm at least willing to give them a try. Uh, okay. So right, it's like this penetration of – uh, of one specific product and then moving sideways once you have the relationships. So you see it with Chubbies, you'll see it with Allbirds, right? Allbirds are all shoes right now. They'll start getting into other types of shoes and sandals and whatever else they do to move sideways. That's 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 part of their strategy. But penetrating a market with one specific differentiated product is 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 that's the way that I would go these days. Interesting. So then you're seeing pick that one product, but then segment your markets and say you know, men's pants, but then, you know, tall men, short, what, however you're kind of, however you're segmenting your pants market um, yes. that way. And then create, <laughs> create I, I can't think of good examples for that one, but think of Tuck men. it. Yes. Untu untuck it. Perfect. Untuck it's perfect. Button downs meant to be worn untucked. Yep. And that, it was such an obviously gigantic segment and no one else did it and they obliterated it. They killed it. And now they have, you know, a hundred different shirts and, 15 or 20 different retail locations. And that, that was their entry point. Yep. And they were, they were, again, one of those innovative, I think actually I saw them on Instagram first or one of the social platforms. And I feel like that's where stuff's getting blown up now. Um, yeah. Why, why is that? Do you have any idea? Cause it seems like that's the, the latest trend on you're seeing products get like showcased there and these like brands that are doing what you're talking about on going, you know, deep into the market on one particular segment. So, so my, my, my feeling on it is that a lot of what's, what's changed when things moved over from AdWords into social is it went from, it went from people searching for specific solutions and then you're showing them text ads that are providing that solution, right? When people wrote solar flag light that reaches 20 feet, bang. Right. Those are my keywords. People are looking for a solution. They're clicking on it and they're saying, is this good enough for the solution I'm looking for? Very different mindset. That is a buying mentality and a buying mode. Whereas on social, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram to buy stuff. I'm reading articles and seeing what people are up to. So now you have to interest me in a completely different way. I'm not looking for a solution. Right. That's why there's a lot of the influencers and good looking people selling things. And because that's what's pulling your attention. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I, I think it's a uh, I'm, I'm struggling for the terminology, but that but that's that shift of I'm not looking for a solution. You have to work a lot harder. And so generally uh, I'll use a like a, you know, blanket term of just sexier products are just going to do better. Well, and things this, that are visual. And, well, and there's something too where. You know, how many times per year are you looking to buy a, a new, you know, shirt or pants or anything like that? Um, there's not many times you're going out saying, I need a new hat today. Like, you don't, you tend not to do that. Like, wake up and I'm going to buy a hat. You, but, so you don't search in a Google men's hat. Like, you just don't do that. But the whole social thing, you're kind of just like moving through and looking at photos, like you said, and saying, oh, I think I'll buy a hat. But you don't ever go into Google and say, like, men's baseball cap, like size, whatever. You know, you don't do right. that. It's so it's, it's a different, yeah. And it, it's opened up to more time-wise, right? Because that one moment per year that you're saying, okay, today I'm going to buy a hat. And that like one day out of the entire year or two, you buy that hat. You can now reach a segment of the market that's not looking to buy 
something that day. All of a sudden you can just show it to them whenever and maybe they buy, maybe they don't, but you're able to access market people in the market that you wouldn't otherwise doing it that way. Yep. And you are, uh, yeah, you have to create the buyer intent as opposed to just catch it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, there's more work to do. And that's why, that's why video is so important and working with influencers is, is so important because you, you have to, you have to get that attention. Yeah. This is why very topical products work well. Right. So a, a lot of people, they will use like a, like a print on demand app yep. uh, and they will create t-shirts that are immediately uh, connected to what's happening in, in the news. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. We see a lot of that. Right. Actually. So people who are yeah. politically engaged, like things will come out immediately after a story breaks and then they want to either support or hate on whatever that event was. And they're, and they're capturing that general interest as opposed to the buying intent but just to get attention because that's on people's minds. So it's like you could see marketers like trying to get in front of where attention is being directed. Yeah, it definitely has made this shift, right? Where I'm thinking back to the popcorn machine days, right? Where we used to know, you know, your um, popcorn kettle broke and you need a new heating element for it. So you're out there look at, you know, you're a person with a problem. You have a, this machine, you need a heating element. We have that heating element, come buy it. You know, it's $29 and you're, you're looking and we solve that problem. But this, right. the then, market changed. Then you need to, the, market, the market's changed for sure. In, in that first uh, uh, version of things that you just described, you really just need to do a good enough job of conveying the features and benefits and then overcoming any trust barriers with good design and a good flow and good payment options and that, that sort of thing. But you're just trying to get out of the way and not add any friction and just basically communicate. And just we be have in the right place need. at the right time. Like, yes, your, your heating element broke. We have heating elements. We're a good place to buy them. Come right. We're trustworthy enough. Yep. Right. You have the reviews. Right. So, and, and now, now it's a, now it's a different thing. Now you need to, you need to woo them much more. Yeah. Anyway. And now, and that's where something like this comes in, right? Where you're not just, Hey, you know, you need that. You're looking, you need this. Maybe you're not looking, but maybe we're going to sell you something that's cool, interesting. Or you, you know, you weren't, you didn't wake up today saying I need this you were scrolling through Instagram and saying, hmm, I'll check that out. And you click on it and you need to sell them a bit more. You need to kind of bring them into what you're doing. And that's what you're kind of. Yes. And so that, that goes perfectly in line with a product page that just captures people coming into it. And you trying to show them that you have what they need is not enough. Yeah. If you're pulling people in with an advertisement that gets their attention when they're not even in a buying mode, that page needs to do a lot more of the narrative work. You need to tell them the story and let them envision what happens to their life when they buying your product. It's, I call it work. You just need to do more work on your page to sell. It's more work because they're not, so I'm thinking back in the day and even when we do the difference between PPC and social ads, PP, you know, when you're actually searching for it, they're engaged, they're ready to buy. They know they have a problem. They want to solve that problem. Like it's, they're ready. So you just have to be there and solve the problem. Social is a whole different thing where nobody's going to Facebook saying, I need this right now. Like I need, they're going to Facebook to look at like pictures of babies and puppies and things, but they're not going to Facebook to buy things. They're not going to Instagram to buy things. They just happen to be on it. They see something and you have to like grab the interest in that moment. And that's the, the difference with social that you, you have to work harder and you, you're starting further down the funnel and have to bring them in. Yeah, you have to generate the intent as opposed to just capture it.
very cool. Okay, I, yeah. I like to say there's not a lot of folks talking about this. Do you know what? So when you said uh, tracker, what did they actually use to build this? Was it complete bespoke? Or? A lot of people doing this are doing it custom and and kind of tearing their hair out dealing with it but it's it's worth it so there are there's a lot of that's going on uh i just got back from la yesterday and going back there next week for a conference with recharge which is one of our most integ uh, important integration partners they do subscription billing for shopify so they allow people to sell things on subscription on like a monthly basis uh, also a really really important factor when it comes to e-commerce today, right? Getting on subscriptions is where you want to be. Uh, the ability to pay for a sale once, but get multiple sales out of it is hugely, it changes all of your math completely. Uh, so, so that's important. Uh, LA these days is like the center of e-commerce innovation in the U S and there's a lot of effectively combining the good taste of LA plus an ecosystem of really savvy marketing agencies there. So that combination is doing a lot to push things forward uh, in e-commerce. Uh, so I was just down there last week. Uh, yeah, so this is, this is all, the, all this new stuff that we're seeing uh, around e-commerce and marketing. And a lot of it is on Shopify because that is the best and easiest backend system. Uh, but a lot of people are coming to us and building stuff on their own and trying to work with other pieces of tech to accomplish what they want. That That's really – it's a funny thing. People sometimes ask us for like advice as if we're the experts. And in reality, we might have some expertise because of what we're seeing, but we are like a vessel for for what people already want to do. The, the reason we've grown really quickly is because we allow people to do something that they already know they want to do, but they haven't been able to do it anywhere else. Yeah, I see. Because you could go out and hire consultants to do all this. That's the thing. If you if you have the money, sky's the limit, build it, it'll work. And but or you could try to cobble together some off the off the shelf, you know, maybe take lead pages and point that to Shopify. So you can cobble either either go all the way and, you know, have it bespoke and have it just built however you want it or cobble together some off-the-shelf things that maybe work, maybe don't, but get something. But you're building something that's purpose-built just for this. Yeah, we, we want to build a funnel system that works with your Shopify store. So you don't have to, right, the, the, the ideal, and this is the same thing in, in our software company, and I assume in yours also, you need both working together, but you also need independence. Like, for example, right now, our marketing site, our cardhook.com website was built by our tech team. And so because of that, our marketing team isn't as nimble as it wants to be. It's, we just want to make changes. We just want to add stuff, remove stuff, change headlines. And we have to go through the tech team to make changes. And that has slowed us down tremendously, which is why we're launching a WordPress site, much to the chagrin of the entire tech team. But we don't care because we just want control over it. So it's, 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 it, this happens all over the place when you're selling online. You need to be nimble and you need to make changes and experiment on the front end, which is separate from the back end. So let's say a Shopify store, even if it's two people running a store, one person or 20, the back end team, fulfillment, shipping, the business side of things need to have stability. 
but the marketing team can't be handcuffed to that stability. It needs to be able to run wild with experimentation. And that's, that's really what we're trying to set up for people to be able to do, to have their store, have the back end, have the business functionality all set up, but let your marketing team go crazy with experimentation and not have to change anything on the back end. It's funny you say that we're running through this exact issue now where the, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, the blog is literally, it runs off the same engine. So when we have to make a change to that, it's changing like an entire, it's like a yes. deployment and you have to, like it's all this work. <laughs> yeah, it's all these things. And if you're just like, oh, we just wanna try this, you can't. So same, same you know, looking at using actually HubSpot, moving the blog onto its own thing that can be changed. And like you said, obviously the core site needs to be stable. It needs to work. You can't just, do crazy things but the blog you know if it's not as big it's not as critical it's it's a whole different thing and you need to be able to mess around and then do different things and oh let's change the color today let's do something weird and try something um but with the course i that's not something you ever do you go the other way you go slow methodical um, yes careful yep right in, in e-commerce e what what happened is the the back end and the front end are are linked yes that's a right yeah that's what's happening so the back end that holds the data the product image the product description the product price all that is linked to the front end the the template and the theme is just presenting that data from the database up front where really they should be decoupled okay you should have your back end with all the product data order data customer data and so on but the way you present it should be free from the constraint of the actual theme. I mean, now we're starting to get, you know, deeper into what, what, what I'm thinking. The, the on yeah. The philosophical, but, I like, I like this. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I'm excited. Why, well, uh, maybe I'll start selling popcorn machines again. We'll see. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so when are you thinking of actually coming out with this? It's October, 2008, right now, 2018. Sorry. Yeah. Right now we're, we're focused on making the checkout, uh, as good as it can be. It is a tricky product. We're doing payment processing. We do like tens of millions of dollars a month in payment processing. We have to work perfectly with Shopify. We have to work perfectly with a bunch of integrations and apps and so on. So we are adding a bunch of features uh, and functionality to the checkout for the next few months. And then in the first quarter of next year, we'll release our landing page app. So a few weeks ago, we released our new editor uh, and that we worked on for six months because that editor is the basis for the landing page app. Right. And, and the editor needs to be pretty good for a checkout and an upsell, but it needs to be really good for landing pages. So we, we put all the work in up front so that now we have like a good foundation in that new editor to start layering in additional pages. Very cool. OK. Yeah. So so for, first quarter, February, first quarter, February, that's yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll start making some noise yep. around the new year. <laughs> OK, great. So I will definitely uh, add a link to that in the show notes. Do you have a, a list people can a place people can get in touch with you or where's a good place people find you? Yeah, easiest place is just carthook.com. And then me personally, uh, just Twitter is the easiest, at Jordan Gall. Awesome. All right, Jordan, this is super helpful. I think uh, I'm excited. So I think uh, cool. and, can't wait to see I do have February. A, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I do have a podcast called Bootstrapped Web. If people just want to hear me and Brian, the guy I do the podcast with, just just crying about the struggles of, of running a software company. <laughs> it is it is the anti-glamour podcast. We don't talk highlights. We just talk lowlights, man. <laughs> I, I like that. Well, it can't all be highlights, right? It shouldn't all be highlights because that's 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 not it's not real. Uh, yeah.
Yeah. Even even the highlights you learn things from because you made mistakes. Anyway, Charles, thank you very much for having me on. It was, it was a great conversation. It was great chat with you. Cheers. We'll be right back.